Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. How do I sound now? I sound okay? Did you ask Pop that question? Let's do it. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Okay, it's a scary, scary times, man. Ready to rock and roll, everybody? It is another edition of Hoops Jason on the Athletic MBA Show. David Aldrich here in D.C. Marcus Thompson ordered to take vacation by the suits at the Athletic. Didn't want to do it, but he's on vacation Ably pinch hitting for him is our guy Tony Jones from the Athletic, covers the Utah Jazz like nobody else. TJ, what's up, man? How are you? Going on, man. How's everything with you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I just don't need any more trades before training camp starts. I can't huh? promise. <laughs> oh, that's right. Your squad. Yeah, you're gonna have a couple more probably before the start. Yeah, we. Camp. I mean, the the, the, uh, the Jazz are open for business now that they've. Uh, uh, made made the big trades. So right. Well, we're going to get into that because we're fortunate. We're going to talk about the big trade, obviously, the Donovan Mitchell trade to Cleveland. Now, I wanted to get somebody who was familiar with Cavs history, even though she's moved on to bigger, brighter, better. <laughs> Our pal Angel Gray, reporter extraordinaire. Thank you for joining us. Da, it's a pleasure. Obviously, no one can say no to you. Thank you so much for everything that <laughs> oh, you do. Oh, you'd be surprised. Be surprised. Send them my way. You know. Oh, I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It. Thank you so much for having me. I want to get now. You you did the dream this year, right? You did the. WMA I did. Playoffs. I did. You did the basketball tournament, which I love. By the way, it's one of my favorite tournaments. Um, and Tony Angel Gray, four years. Four years at Florida State University, varsity. No, we got to get her out to Utah, get us some, get her, get us some good run out here. I was going to say, you know where the runs are I, in SLC. Let so. me tell you something. My first time, like, actually being a part of a run outside of, like, playing was yeah. at UCLA. So I used to, like, me being immersed in that right away, I took a job out with my assistant uh, coach at the time, took the head coaching job at UCLA. I came on board to help with yeah. media. And just seeing those, I think it might have been 7 o'clock runs. And seeing all these different guys coming and seeing James Harden come in and right. looking at how they were training. And I think that was my first time playing against uh, Scalabrini. <laughs> and that was right. pretty awesome, too. So, I mean, to, I'll tell you what, if you if you give me a good run, I'll, I'll show up. I, I got good runs. If there's nothing else I'll do, I, I, I hope. So, 
we we definitely got good runs. And by the tales way, tales of grandeur, Angel, tales of grandeur, <laughs> Tony Jones <laughs> about his legendary <laughs> seven a.m. or was that seven p.m.? Seven a.m. Okay, seven I, would, I, would, I would not have been there. <laughs> oh man, it was the best, and it starts your day so perfect because you you got to think about it. I'm dealing with coaches. I'm dealing with, um, oh man, I, I forgot that guy's name. And he like hit one of the most legendary shots um, in UCLA history. Oh man, uh, uh, Tyus Edney. Oh, Tyus Edney, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So the first time I, he comes in, he walks into there, like he's he's not that tall. So right. I'm one of two girls that comes in to play. And he walks in, he's, he's going to show up every time. And I'm like, oh, I got him. <laughs> Uh, Everyone looks nice. at me and they're like, have you lost your mind? No one right. told me a thing. He gave me bucket after bucket after bucket, but became one of my closest friends. So yeah, humble. trust me. The humble. I, I was humbled right away. <laughs> the Bruin way. Those guys have been going on forever. Not, no. And they are, there are, they, they, back in the day, day when Magic used to be in those runs all the time and Reggie mm. Miller and all those guys, it was crazy out at UCLA and UFC. I mean, it just, everybody will come through, you know, mm. and it, it's, it's this. It's incredible, and I'm. I, I, so good. You got buckets from Ty Eddie. That's great. <laughs> did you get one? Come on, you gave him a couple though, didn't you? I did. I get. I got a couple actually. It was funny because we became. He became like my mentor. So I'm taking a few of his moves, trying to get to the basket. And when he can give you the brow light, oh, that looked pretty good. Right? I knew I was in. So right? as long as I didn't show up and. It was just like, okay, who's got the girl? Then I was fine. As long as I was holding my own. So it was just a lot of fun. Um, obviously, you want to stay in shape. <laughs> you, wanna, you think you still have a little bit of juice after college. I quickly found out I didn't have much left. I was going to say, a lot of when fun was your, I'm not, a, I'm not a baller anymore. When was that moment? <laughs> you know what? Actually, I always felt like I was a baller. I really, I had a couple opportunities to go overseas, but every time I had an opportunity, something in media came up where I was just like, this is what I want to do. Now, mind you, we didn't have everything like, um, I think at the time we had like Skype. So we didn't have FaceTime. We didn't have all these different luxuries where you can communicate with your family. I was given an opportunity to do a year long internship with Fox Sports Florida, Sun Sports, right out of college, benefits, getting paid for it. So I'm like, wait a minute. I go over there. There's no international phone plan. I'm away from people. Like as long as I can stay around the game, I'm fine. I'm content. I missed it a lot. And I was able to go out and see a couple of my friends play and obviously get to cover the WNBA now. But I remember actually um, my mindset was after I tore my ACL my freshman year, I said, what am I without basketball? And so there were a couple of times where I was with the coaches. I became like another coach. I would go in the huddles with them. I would do scouting reports. I would lead, you know, different things for uh, meetings. And it became, how do I use my voice and leadership or, you know, being a captain beyond, you know, the four years that I'm here. So I think even though it was very uh, sad when I got the news that I tore my ACL and I couldn't get that year back, I use that as a sense of, okay, so what can I do to build on what I've learned from this great game? So it's, it's been a vehicle for sure. Yeah. Tony, I, w I always wondered, like, you know, how your view is shaped. And both of y'all could talk to this as somebody who did play, you know, who played at a, at a high level, how that impacts what you, you know, what, how you write and how you, how you report, because you have, you have knowledge and you have, you have that experience that lay people like myself do not have. And I just wonder if how that, how that shows up in your journalism. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, and 
you know, and I, I think, you know, you've always done this as well, but I think the biggest thing is you can put, you can, you can relate. Like, you know, if, if you're covering a point guard, you know, because I played, I played at the one, you're covering a point guard who made, you know, a huge late game turnover or something like that. You can put yourself in that guy's shoes because, you know, I've done that. Like, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, a guy misses a shot or if a guy misses a rotation, um, that leads to, you know, something else. Like I tell you, it's, um, here, there's, there's a, here's a perfect example. Um, the jazz were in Houston last year, Houston, I believe Christian Wood hit a three to send the game into overtime and Twitter is killing Rudy Gobert. Like absolutely just killing Rudy Gobert saying, Hey, this is, you know, this is a, you know, uh, his issue as a strat, you know, defending stretches. He can't defend on the perimeter, yada, yada, yada. And I went back and I looked at, and when I first saw it in real time, I was like, I'm not sure that was Rudy's issue. That was, that, that was Rudy's issue. And then I went back and I looked at the film and I was like, oh, this was not Rudy's fault. Right. Uh, you know, House missed the switch that he was, he was supposed to switch. They were supposed to switch everything at the top. Daniel House blows the switch. Christian Wood is wide open. Rudy's pointing at Daniel House mid-play, like, what the hell, and trying to, 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 to get out and contest. So it looks uh, in real time, and it looks on film, it looks awkward. It looks like Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert lost Christian Wood. Right. But what happened was Daniel House missed the switch. And, and next day in shoot-around, we were, I think we were in like New Orleans or somewhere. I'd go up to Quinn. I said, that was Daniel House's switch, right? And he was like, yeah, we talked to him about it. And, you know, then he confirmed to, re to reporters that, you know, that was Daniel House and Mr. Switch. And when they looked at him on film, they talked about it. But Rudy Gobert was getting killed that night, the entire night on Twitter when it wasn't Rudy Gobert's fault. And so I think that that's, you know, that's something when you look at the eyes of when, when, when you play, you know, you kind of, um, you know, you kind of pick up on stuff like that. And, you know, obviously, you know, when you've covered the game at a high level for a long time, you pick up on stuff like that as well. Yeah. Angel, I wanted to get your your take on it, obviously, as well. And being <clears throat> you, I'm sure, you know, you you played against some of these people that if they're not playing in the W they're coaching in the W you know what I mean like you know you know them and how that kind of impacts your storytelling and your reporting ability to know what you're seeing with your eyes trusting your eyes I tell you what Tony hit on a, a lot of great points coming in though it's the credibility of it all you know what went into you know the prep you know what went into like shoot around for us for me you know schemes and what you're going over what the most important things are when they're going over the pregame Right. So, you know, scouting reports, you know what the coaches are saying. So right away, when I took the job as a reporter, even with the Cavs, the most important times for me were shoot around or practice. I never wanted to miss the practice, never wanted to miss a shoot around. I don't care who was there. At the end of the day, I'm seeing what they're working on. I'm picking up on the, the, the lingo is different terminology from team to team. And so how are they saying this? Can you, can the coach come over and explain something on how they're setting something up? But I'll never forget my first day. I remember them bringing me over and saying, hi, this is Angel Gray. She's our new reporter. And Tyler goes, yeah, our team bust your team's butt, you know, in, in the finals or whatever. But at the end of the day, hey, coach, you know that I can ball. 
You know right, that I bring right. something to this broadcast where it's just not, I'm not, I'm going to disrespect the game. I remember too, we did a, <laughs> we were doing a, a post-game interview. We probably didn't do too well. And I can't really recall the, the area we were in, but I asked him, I said, Hey, there's a player that's really um, clogging the paint. Like at that point you were talking about doing different things and schemes in order to open the floor. And he looked at me, he said, who are you talking to? And I said, I'm talking about the players in, in, you know, spreading the floor. So he answers the question. And after one of the reporters said, you do know that she plays basketball, right? And he was like, I just had to think about it because I just had that conversation with him in the locker room. So just understanding the game and, and knowing like you have to be a student of the game. There's the times when you are a student athlete where you're watching with your coaches. Okay. What can I do better here? Why was, why was I doing this? And even being a point guard, where does everyone else need to be knowing every position on the floor? So you can put yourself in a position to say, if that's broken down, then this has to happen on the other end. So it's no different from being a reporter for me. I have to break down each thing as far as like what I'm asking, what they're doing. It can't be the same question over and over again, because I think the players too are like, okay, how much do you know about this game? And then they tend to respect you more when you bring and respect the game too. So it's very important to me. The, the relationships, as you mentioned, um, it is very important because if you try and ask Candace Parker a crazy question, she's going to get on you and she's going to yeah. be like, you can do better than that. So yeah. I think that's very important when you have those relationships, you understand what goes into the, to the game, but we love this game so much. You just want to give it your best. It was so funny. The other day I was watching this uh, on Twitter. It was a clip. I think Nikias, our, our pal Nikias Duncan, who does a great job writing and talking about basketball, was asking Kelsey Plum about screening for Asia Wilson. And Kelsey Plum got the biggest smile on her face and said, oh, my God, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that is so cool. She was like, nobody ever asked me about screening. Thank you for asking right. me about screening. And I just loved that that a reporter could get that out of a player because he knew what he was seeing when he when he looked at film. And I think it's important. Like, you can't pretend to be an expert, but you can at least try if you mm -hmm. don't haven't played. And I always say that. So I'm glad that you guys bring those experience. But let's let's talk about this trade that everybody wants to know about. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of different things went into it, but let's let's start. Um, I want to start, Angel, with the Cavs. And I know that's not your thing day to day anymore, mm -hmm. but you obviously know everybody that's involved in it. And just kind of like what you think their mindset was in terms of kind of being willing to put all their cards on the table and, and really go all in because they could have played it safe. They have three really good young players. They had a really surprising season last year. They could have just played off of that and continued to develop, but they went all in. Now I love that, but it's not easy. It's easy for me to say it. It's not easy for general managers and owners to do. I tell you what, it, it wasn't just this trade. It was everything that happened prior as well. Since 2018, like there was a lot of movement. There were a lot of veterans that had to be traded in order for them to even have this young core that they have right now. And I just remember the shift in the movement, like, okay, what's the vision? And you have to really tip your hat to what Kobe Altman and his you know, team has been able to do because there was a lot. Now I'm not talking just players, I'm talking about coaches too. I believe in uh, Colin Sexton's tenure, he had four different head coaches. He was only there four years. So when you're looking at how many different things went into trying to create that success, it took some time. It was uncomfortable times, but they understood what they wanted. Kobe Altman, every single postseason said, 
we're going to get the best guys. We're going to get the best youth guys that we can build around the core, but we also want good guys. So he was very adamant about creating a culture within the locker room that it's going to be important that we can win together, that they're coachable, that our mindset is that they're going to be the most hardworking guys, but it's not just about the feel good stories. I remember even last year, you know, they're barking at each other after the games. And we're like, where is this coming from? It's just like, we have to be the dog. They had the dog chain after, you know, some of the games handing it out, just creating that culture, which was very awesome. But it's not about being the underdog anymore, right? I feel like we always talked about the rebuild. Now I think all the resources have gone into making a pretty nice home there in, in Cleveland again. And the fans definitely deserve it. They stuck with them. But I think you you made a great point, Yay. People don't understand how good this team was even last year. You have Jared Allen that signs his extension. You have Darius Garland that gets his extension as well and very deserving. Two young guys that are less than, I think they're younger than 25 years old. Yeah, they're all And then you bring in Evan Mobley. Yeah. And then you bring in Evan Mobley, who is unbelievable. The things that we used to see him do, he could get like this. There would be times I'd be at shoot around and I would see him working on a move that day with coach. It was with Coach Lang at that point. And he would go in the game, and you would think that he practiced it for five years straight because he's just very smart. His dad is obviously, you know, a big factor in that when he was coached under him as well at USC. But one of the smartest people you could find, Darius Garland, obviously an all-star. And then you have different pieces that are doing their part. Isaac Okoro, you're looking at Jetty Osman, who has a respect of even LeBron James, and just so many different people. Look at how the things had to change even for Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio, who's now back on the roster, to come off of the, the bench together and what that looks like for them. So, so many different pieces have gone into making this something where it's no longer we're just happy to be here. They want to be in contention to talk about rings. And I think that's where the mindset is now for Cleveland. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Tony, I, I got it. We all, we all knew they were going to trade Donovan, right? But everybody thought it was going to be the Knicks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Cleveland was kind of on the periphery, like maybe if, eh, yeah. Why do you think, how did Danny Ainge get to yes with Cleveland, you think? I mean, well, the Knicks fumbled the bag. They dragged their feet and, you know, and they, they thought that, you know, they were going to be able to, to lowball their way to Donovan Mitchell and, and, and Cleveland took advantage of an opening and an opportunity. You know, by the time the Jazz said yes to Cleveland, they were done. They were pretty much done with New York. Um, and, you know, I think if Cleveland hadn't been there, I think that, you know, the Jazz would have gone back to the table. Um, but, you know, New York negotiated this deal uh, as if um, um, they, you know, the Jazz didn't have any other options. And, you know, Cleveland presented the Jazz an option and, 
and you know, and and New York had had bungled the, you know, the deal so much by that point yeah. um, that you know the 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 Jazz were just finished. You know, they were just kind of over it, and um, that's why they said yes to Cleveland. I mean, you know, the the Jazz wanted three unprotected first round picks, and you know, New York could have easily put that in, and they decided not to. Um, right. You know, and the 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 one thing that Cleveland presented that New York didn't have was um, that they gave the Jazz two good contracts. You know, Colin Sexton, provided he is healthy, you know, four years, $72 million for somebody who can give you 20 a night is a good contract. Laurie Markkinen is a good contract. He's, you know, a career 15-point-per-game scorer. He's a, you know, a guy who's capable of shooting 40% from three. Uh, he's a stretch at the four and the five. You know, so those are good young players on reasonable contracts. Um, the Jazz probably would have had to take back Evan Fournier, which was not a good contract for for them. Right, right, right. Um, you know, and Evan Fournier. Let, let me let me clarify this. Evan Fournier in a vacuum is a good player, but you know, thirty years old. Right, doesn't um, fit what they're doing. Sure, doesn't doesn't fit with with Utah's timeline. So that's a yeah. bad contract for Utah. So, you know. I said this in my story, New York's best offer would have easily trumped Cleveland's best offer, but New York spent, you know, 90 days not putting their best foot forward in the negotiation. And then by the time Cleveland came up with a, with a framework that worked with what the jazz were looking for, which is they wanted young pieces back and they wanted at least three unprotected first round picks and they wanted all of those first round picks unprotected, pushed far, as far out as possible. The last pick conveys in 2029. But, you know, by, by the time that happened, the Jazz were so finished with New York <laughs> um, that, you know, they, just, they were just like, we're just going to go with Cleveland. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Not because it's New York, but just because I can't believe somebody tried to play poker with Danny Age. I mean, what do you... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the RJ Barrett extension was just absolutely wild. And, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and the funny thing was, you know, it was, I don't want to say it was a useless extension because RJ Barrett's a really good player. And, you know, and, and, you know, as a Knicks fan, personally, I'm excited to see what RJ does because I think that he's got a chance to be an all-star in this league, but, at the same time, it still didn't take RJ off the, the table. You know, the Jazz were still going to proceed with that negotiation as if RJ Barrett was the centerpiece of the framework of that deal. So, you know, it, it was it was just pretty wild just, you know, seeing up close, you know, what went down, you know, just kind of in, uh, the negotiations behind the scene, uh, the twists the twist and the turns and the ebbs and the flows of the whole process. And, you know, and at the end of the day, New York has nobody to blame with but themselves for Donovan not being in a, in a, in a, in a, in a Knicks uniform. Angel, you're shaking your head. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, I have so many, I have family friends in New York that are just like, I don't, I got to check on them, actually. Like, it's, it's gotten to that point where I may need a, a friendly check-in call because they are so upset um, and at the end of the day, to see how the Cavs of all teams were able to get it done, it's the assets, as you mentioned, TJ, like what they were able to accumulate 
the last four years and being able to have that in their bag and use it when they need it to. And you are absolutely right. If I can vouch for anybody, it's Colin Sexton. He's the first in the gym, the last one out. He works extremely hard. And that's why they believe that they could build that core around him as well, starting, you know, in his rookie season. So, I mean, it's, it's a, this game, you, you got to go with the ebbs and flows, as you mentioned, but um, just being able to witness what he was able to do, even against, you know, the Nets and just ruining their debut for the big three, you know, dropping, I think in overtime, I think he had a 40 point game. So just seeing everything that he's been able to do, I wish him all the best. His family's amazing. He's from Atlanta too. He comes in and supports the uh, WNBA team here as well. So um, I'm pretty sure he's going to have a, a great fan base in Utah. Well, his his best attribute, and, you know, and I've said this on various shows, his best attribute is his competitiveness. That kid absolutely hates to lose. I mean, this was somebody that, you know, played Minnesota three on five, you know, as, as a freshman in college and, and almost won that game for Alabama. And, you know, he's a guy that's going to, he's, he's relentless in the way he comes at you. He's going to come at you for 48 minutes. Um, you know, and he's he's a guy that bends defenses because he's consistently trying to get downhill off the dribble and he consistently touches the paint off the dribbles. You know, he, he's not a perfect player. You know, I think that, you know, the decision making has to get a lot better. Uh, I think he has to make a transition to actually being a point guard and, you know, on the roster that he's going to step into pending what the Jazz do with the roster, you know, he might have to be a leader. And, you know, and I think that that those are those are all challenges, especially with him signing a long term contract, you know, at a lucrative number, not as lucrative as he would hope, but still lucrative. Nonetheless, you know, those are all those are all challenges that he's going to have to embark on um, while playing his way back uh, from a major injury. I want to run this by both of y'all is the notion you mentioned the word challenge and (laughs) Let's be frank. Salt Lake City and Cleveland are challenging markets. <laughs> Not just, you know, for free agents, but let's be, you know, point blank. Also for black players it's not the first place you think of. Right. Like I remember, you know, when when J.R. Smith got traded to Cleveland and talking to him and people going people around the team going, wow, you know, Jarrett's. Jared's really, you know, he's he's been really locked in since he got here and it's great and everything. And I talked to him about it and I said, why do you think, why do you think you've taken off with this group so quickly? He's like, because there's nothing to do at night. There's nowhere to go. So I just stay home. Right. So um, I just want now for both of you, it, your markets are, are, are challenging for different reasons. Cleveland hasn't had a championship contending team without LeBron James for three decades, (laughs) for three decades. Utah now had a really good team, was able to get players to sign and stay. Their favorites came back, right? But they were winning. They were a title contender for the last three or four years. They're not now. So what are the challenges that each of these franchises faces going forward? Even Cleveland having a really, really good young core. Well, for me, I mean, you know, I think Utah faces challenges um, from a racial aspect, you know, just as a society and as a community. Um, you know, we just we just had the Duke volleyball incident last week. Right. Um, <laughs> last, you, right. Know, you know, last year, you know, rest in peace to Izzy Tishner, 
we had that incident. You know, we had a we had a well publicized incident with you know Russell Westbrook. I mean, there are you know, and I didn't get an answer, um, but you know, I a couple of weeks ago I asked Spencer Cox on Twitter. I said, "Why, sir, do these incidents keep popping up?" And you know, my experience—I've been in Utah for 14 years, and you know, I've pretty much raised, you know, I've got, I've raised at least one child here and she's now in college. And the first thing that she wanted to do when she got out of high school was get out of Utah and move all the way across the country and go to an HBCU. Um, that was her choice. There are many things that I like about Utah. It's turned into a wonderful place to raise my children because I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I grew up having to fight my way home from school. And I didn't want my children to go, go through that. Um, you know, and they didn't have to go through that. Um, but they had to go through different challenges as well. Um, you know, I think that this is not a perfect place for African-American people. Um, but I do think that um, I've had, you know, more good instances than bad. Um, I think that the people have been wonderful here, especially towards uh, me and my family. But, you know, you would be remiss uh, to not acknowledge um, that there is a perception problem and, and that perception, um, that perception creates reality as well. So, you know, I, I would like to say that, you know, I don't think that, um, I, I think on the whole, my, my experience living in Utah as an African-American has been positive, but you know, I came to Utah when I was at a different place in my life. I came right, right. To Utah with, when I had children and when I had a wife, <laughs> you know, right. this would have been a vastly different place for me in my 20s because I was a different person in my 20s. So, you know, for for athletes, you know, um, it's something that, you know, they're going to have to they would have to get used to. But I mean, I think, you know, as a front office, I mean, I think that the Jazz have have figured out a formula. Like, you know, one of the reasons why they've, you know, prioritized picks and trading Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is because they know yeah. they're not going to yeah. be a player in the free agency in the free agency market. They, they know the Jazz have, you know, are projected to have about thirty million dollars in cap space at the end of next year. They're not projecting that to use on free agency. They're projecting right. that to make a Jeremy. Yeah. Type trade yeah, that Portland yeah. made, which is trade a few first round picks, take a good player into into their cap space. You know, so I think that the Jazz, as a front office, they know what the market is, and um, um, they've adjusted to the market a long time ago. Um, but you know, th this is kind of my ramble for what what my experience has been as an African American. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, and I, I respect that. And I, before I get hate mail from people and hate tweets, I love Salt Lake City. I have very good friends in Salt Lake City. Um, so this is not about me. It's about the team and their ability to draw free agents. But you address that. Angel, what do you, I mean, again, and this is more, less maybe less about race, but just more about LeBron's not there, right? <laughs> like he just isn't right. there. And can they kind of keep the party going with this young group? Absolutely. I think it's 
I was going to say that it's a little bit of um, tale of two cities because yeah. even for me being an African-American woman in Cleveland, I felt welcome by the city, the land. Like I really call that a second home now because once they see that you're invested in them, they open their arms and we're like, let's get it together because it is a city that wants, you know, success so bad right. that they want people to be invested in them as well. And that goes down the, the line with now the guardians or even with the Browns as well. So the first thing that I was like, you know what, he knows what he's doing. Donovan Mitchell, he literally said, I'm going for Ohio state in this one. Oh, almost broke the internet. When you have Buckeye Nation behind you, <laughs> right. it's another situation. And so it's just an understanding of how important their sports is to the city and how they gravitate towards you. And it's the talk from if you're at the laundromat, if you're at a restaurant, because it may not be the biggest city and there's not a lot of resources or um, or money that has gone to the city. But I tell you what, even seeing everything that they were able to do leading up to All-Star Weekend. Like the city is continuing to grow. There is an investment in wanting to do more around the city. And so I think just the biggest challenge is, you know, how big is the the winter coat? <laughs> you know, like it is, it is, it is a sense of, okay, it's gloomy. A lot of different people have to have like, you know, sun lamps in their, you know, apartments or houses because you do, you get in this situation where you're like, I haven't seen the sun in months. Right. What are we going to do? But I I think you're on the road half the time. um, And when you're around family, when you have a culture that's built where you're going to be challenged or, you know, you're going to have a good time doing team activities. And I I mean, it goes down the like it literally. And I'm not just saying this because it sounds good to witness the investment and not just the players, but from top to bottom, how important it was to establish a culture of how do we win together? I think that's why teams and players are wanting to be a part of this. Jared Allen said right away, I didn't understand what was going on. He wanted to be in Brooklyn for the long haul, right? Right. And just right right away saying there's something special happening here. And so when you see different players being put on a roster and even for coach Bickerstaff and what he's been able to do being mentored by his father, who is, you know, in a role too, uh, with Bernie Bickerstaff, like those are different player people that are incredible minds in the game. And so you understand what goes into, to making success and it's having the right people in place looking past, maybe that, you know, it's another blizzard on the way, but (laughs) how do you, you know, kind of work through that together. And I think, uh, the core that they have right now, they can be successful. But let's let's be real. There's so many other teams too in the East. The East has gotten better. Yes. yes. So so overall, I think um, just not getting too high. This understanding what you have, continuing to build on now. What is what is the expectation to to win? Um, and and I think that is completely what the the city is all about. Blue collar. How do we get this together? Very supportive. Showed up even in days where it was like are we going to get a 20 win season, but still being there for their team? And so I think that's the most important part. Like I love the land. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is what I, I just wrote this last, uh, uh, this week, because I had to redo the one through 30 off season rankings and part and after the trade. And part of what I wrote angel was it's cold in the winter in, in Cleveland. You got to give people a reason to come out and watch your team. <laughs> I, I, you got to put the coat on. I got to spend a couple hundred dollars. I got to get some food. I got to get, I got to pay for parking. You got to give me a reason to do all that. And Donovan Mitchell is a reason. <laughs> like, that guy it's a is big a reason player and he's a reason to come out. Similar in Salt Lake City in the wintertime. Tony, I mean, it's snowing, you know, <laughs> and if they're going outside, it's to ski. It's not to, it's not to watch, go, go to an arena. You got to give them a reason, right? And so to me, it's exciting to see that these teams in these, in these markets, under, I think they understand that and they are not shy about, you know, going all in to bring these types of players in. If you well, build it, they will come. Yeah. I tell you one thing. Um it, the the weather is worse in Cleveland. I've mm. I you know, you walk to your hotel to the arena, man, the hawk be out. And that wind coming yeah. off the lake is just absolutely unforgiving. Um no, no joke. It is it is absolutely no joke. And I, I tell you what, and, and you know, you bring up Donovan and you bring up Cleveland. I really think they have championship upside with this core because I think, um, you know, Garland and and Mitchell um, just off the bounce, you know, and having one of those guys on the floor for 48 minutes. I mean, it's, you know, it's just going to be really difficult uh, for for teams to deal with. I happen to think that Evan Mobley's got a chance to be a perennial all-star and a perennial all-NBA type player. I think he's an incredible defender. Uh, I think that he's a prototype defender for today's NBA. And, you know, Jared Allen has turned in to be one of the best vertical lob threats that we have in our game. And, you know, and a a terrific um, uh, and a terrific rim protector. I'm sure if Brooklyn had to do that trade over again, they would have kept Jared Allen out of that deal for James Harden. So, you know, I, I, I think they're missing a little bit of shooting on the wings. 
Uh, I know that Kevin Love um, compensates for that a little bit. Um, but, you know, Isaac O'Coral and Lamar Stevens are going to have to figure out a way to step up uh, and make some shots. Cheddar Yasmin as well. Garland and, and Mitchell in the backcourt. You know, Rubio coming off the bench. Uh, Howell Nettles got to be right now probably the best third point guard in the league. Um, you know, that is a, a that's going to, you know, I don't think they're the best team in the East, um, but I, I certainly think uh, they're going to challenge for that top four, top five. And, you know, and as this core, the, I think the beauty of this core is number one, Donovan's the oldest player in that core, and he's going to be 26 in September. Right. Um, but you got three years. That's the, the, that's the beauty of what Kobe Alton did. You have three years of team control at the very least on mm-hmm. every last one of those four players, or, or every last one of those four guys. So this core is going to have a chance to build together and they're going to be able to use the mid-level exception, get veterans to come in that want to compete for a championship. And, you know, they're going to be able to, to, to add shooting um, and, and they're going to be able to add pieces uh, as the years go on. You know, so I fully think that Cleveland uh, is going to have a chance at some point in this run, in this era, uh, to, to win a championship with this core. I already yeah. told Kobe Altman I'm coming up there. So if you guys want to come on up, we can you know, see what tickets they'll give us. <laughs> the, the beauty of it all is that I can still support them yeah. and not have to worry about, you know, post-game stuff. So, I yeah, it, it is a, is a pretty impressive roster. I, I really do agree with you. And it reminds me of the teams in the 90s in the Cavs when they had mm-hmm. and Mark Price and and Ron Harper and, and Larry Nance Sr. You know, I'm old now, so I've seen all of these people. But just that a, a true team, to your point, Tony, that they that they kept together four, five, six years and, and took – they just – look, Jordan beat them, Jordan beat everybody. Um, but they had a run. They took a shot. You know, they took a real shot at it. But, Angel, I can't let you go without asking you about the W and what's going on. <laughs> As we tape, we're at the we're at the semifinals and Vegas is, is up to one and Chicago's up over yes. Connecticut. I mean, it, it, it has seemed kind of predestined that Vegas and Chicago would wind up in the finals. Is is that the way you think it's going to wind up? I don't know. You know what? It would be great. But there's so many different things that I love about this series. First of all. Vegas has completely flipped the script. I think they still have that taste in their mouth from when they got blasted literally um, by, I think, almost 30 points when they yeah. lost to Seattle in the title game in 2020. Right. That was something where they were, they got swept and now they're up 2 1. They're also trying to ruin the party for Sue Bird, who is right. now on her way out. So there's so much on the line for that. But when you have Asia Wilson, you have, um, Kelsey Plum, as you already talked about, and Chelsea Gray, you know, one of my favorite people. I think it's it's a great thing. It's a great thing. But Chelsea Gray has been unbelievable. Um, I do want the Aces to to have an opportunity to to get one, at least get to the title game again and and take one. Becky Hammond has been unbelievable. Uh, Got coach of the year as well. So just seeing what she's been able to do, stepping in her first year coming from the NBA side has been awesome. And I think on the other side, when you have Candace Parker, I mean, the defending champs getting, having an opportunity to get back to the finals and her doing that in her second year back home with Chicago is pretty impressive. And for Connecticut, it's like go time for them. I was able to be on the broadcast with them um, just for the playoffs and a lot of expiring contracts, a vet heavy group where injuries have plagued them. I thought it was 
heartbreaking to see Bria Hartley go down with yeah. another ACL tear and then bringing yeah. in Odyssey Sims, who is supposed to be the X factor of the team, but was held scoreless coming off of the bench. I think when you have four or five players that are scoring in double figures and Candace Parker has had a double, has had double doubles in four of the five playoff games. So in my personal opinion, I would love for Chicago to get back. I, I know Connecticut is looking for their first title, yeah, um, yeah. but the way that they've been able to play is just been phenomenal. I like to see that that clash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been. I, I just think they've been the best two teams pretty much all yeah. year. It seems to me. Yeah. I did. I wanted to ask you, uh, and this was just kind of odd. So I'm sure it's going. It well, it did go viral. Coach Miller, like in the huddle the other day, basically saying, "Like, can anybody here make a layup?" Like, and I just wonder how people. I wonder how players took that. Like, and I don't think, I don't think this is, I don't think this is sexist. A male player would mm -hmm. never say that to an NBA team. A male coach would never say that to an NBA team. Can any of y'all make a layup? You know what I mean? It just it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be said. And I just wonder how well, that, let me Let me see the shot be chart. Because if there's a lot of X's around that area, then yeah. I'd ask the same question because it's valid. You know, yeah. so I don't think I think sometimes we get too sensitive about what that means. He knows how to challenge his team and he right. knows how they're going to be receiving the message as well. Um, I've seen a few missed layups, you know, on the NBA side, too. So, there's like, yes, yes. <laughs> but so for me, so for me, it's just like. I would get in their butt too. Like, what are we doing? You're, yeah. I think that was a stat that was very impressive too, because they out rebounded um, Chicago. And that's yeah. one of the things they say, we win when we rebound, but they only had three of 11 opportunities where they had um, three from the field when they had second chance opportunities. So you, if you're not making layups, if you're not getting to the class, then of course you're putting yourself, you know, in a bad position to close out and you have to get those buckets. Everything is hard. Everything yeah. is hard when you're looking at the playoffs. So, you know, you're seeing the pace has changed a little bit, not as many fast break points. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are they doing the schemes? You got to see somebody best out of five. So, you know, how do things change? They're going to get your best stuff. So what are you going to do? If you can't hit those shots that are pretty much given to you, I'm not sure. But yeah. I, I, I support Coach Miller. I would say the same thing. And hopefully they made a few consecutive <laughs> after that point. I think all right, all right, he knows all how right. to challenge his team. No, see, this is why I like talking to people that played, because you have a different perspective on it than I do. That's <laughs> My perspective, I don't know. Maybe he's canceled on, you know, four different Twitter accounts. I don't know. But that's just what I feel. <laughs> all right. Tony, last one. This is I'm I'm doing this out of fun. So why do you clap back on Twitter so hard against against idiots? Why? <laughs> Why? Just ignore them. Why? <laughs> They're idiots. <laughs> I was asleep and God came to me in my dreams and he told me, you don't have to take this. <laughs> he said, fight back, my son. Right. <laughs> With your so. 280 characters, fight back. Listen, I, listen, I'm a sarcastic person. But the, 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 here's the context of this, everybody who's watching this, con this, this podcast. David Aldridge has known me since I was about eight years old. And, wow. Um, he used to work with my mother. Yes. And, um, you know, he's been, you know, a big brother mentor to me, you know, just for forever and ever and ever. And, you know, not to get sentimental with this, but I would not be where I am today without him. So 
you but the the, the gist of the whole thing the upside is you know my personality you know good and well why i clap back on twitter because that's just me like i'm always a sarcastic person i've always been a, i've always been a person um you know i've always been a competitive person so when people say stuff to me i'm just gonna say say stuff back and you know you try to come up with the most witty thing you know but Listen, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that I have never gotten a phone call um, in my five years at The Athletic from one of the higher-ups, you know, and the phone call would go something like this, you know, I'd answer the phone, hey, how you doing? And then there'd be like an uncomfortable silence and it'd be like, Tony, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> Talking to my editor, yeah, I'm okay. And he's like, Listen, we just want you to know that we're all here for you. So if you need anything at all, you just let us know. And then I'll just be like, Do you need a day? Yeah. Do you need a personal day? <laughs> like, um, I need to get off Twitter for an hour. Like, look, just for an hour. Just, you know, just for an hour, let things settle down, come back, and, you right. know, everything will be okay. So right. listen, you know, it's it's a fine balance, right? Like, you know, you want to say something, but you don't want to say something too risque. That's going to get you. Oh, I just want to say peace and love to to my fellow New York Knicks fans who have been just absolutely lambasting me. Oh, dude, for me, too. Two me too. I love you all. And even though I've blocked, you know, over 400 of you at this point, I still love you. Oh, my God. It's that. crazy. It's crazy. Angel, they're, they're, they're like. What was it they were mad uh, mad at me about? Like, oh, so after the trade, I said, you know, if I'm the Knicks, now that I didn't get Donovan Mitchell, I would throw a bunch of first round picks and try to get Buddy Heald or Miles Turner or maybe both from Indiana. Like, you're trying to win now. You need to upgrade your roster. You need more shooting. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got a bunch of picks. You got a whole mess of picks. Use some of them to get. You would have thought. I called them out, you know, their children out by name. It was ridiculous. You need to retire, your old man. You don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. I literally heart was like, people oh, hurt people. It's unbelievable. People. Like, I'm sorry, are the Knicks a 60 win team that I forgot last season? You know, coming on. They're morning at this point. I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Listen, they, it's, listen, David. Well, I just want to let you know, I was told by a Knicks fan yesterday that Emmanuel quickly is significantly not only better, but significantly better than Colin Sexton. Hmm. So at that point, it was time to end the conversation. Well, well that's, that's an opinion. Quickly. <laughs> in that quickly. That's, <laughs> that's an opinion. And I like Emmanuel. He's, he's good. I like him. But wait a he's, I do too. But <laughs> I like Emmanuel as well. But let's be real about some things. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, this is great. This has been great. I love you both to death. Thank you so much for for coming in today. This is fabulous. Much success, continued success for both of you as you continue along the way. I mean, it's just, Angel, you're you're doing great. (laughs) You're doing great. I'm clipping that off. It's going to be my ringtone. Thanks, Angel. No, no, real, real rap, Angel, you were great at the tournament. Like, Yes. Especially oh, wow. to be out at the Rucker. That was that was good well, stuff. Yes. I appreciate that. You know, uh Pee Wee, he, he doesn't stop talking. So, you know, it really <laughs> made me hone in on, you know, <laughs> right? my reporting skills. But that was so much fun. My first time at the Rucker. 
um, I felt like, oh, well, the guys that I can say that I'm from Harlem a couple of days out of the year. So yeah, uh, it, it felt good to be there. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. Well, look, continued success for both of you. My young nephew continues success to you as well as you embark on a new building era of the Utah Jazz. It'll be it'll won't be boring. Won't be winning, no. but it won't be boring. <laughs> I asked them. I, listen, I, it was funny. I was I was, um, you know, somebody was asking me is like, what's going to feel like covering a losing team? I was like, listen, all I asked for the Jazz and this was before they had traded Rudy and Donovan or Donovan. Yeah. All I asked, just give me a couple of young guys that that you know that I could go there's nothing like covering a team that's going to win 20 games but they're also old and on a you know yeah yeah sure sure mm-hmm. some young guys to cover some exciting guys to cover right and they did they got me Oshai Baji they got me Walker Kessler yes, right. Sexton like yeah. there's a bunch of, there's going to be a bunch of young guys where it's going to be fun being able to watch their arc through the NBA I'll so compete. I'm ready for they'll compete that's all. That's all I need. That's all I can ask is compete, you know, and they'll compete. And Will Hardy will make them compete. You know that. I mean, Will yeah, is not no fool. Exactly. So they'll compete. So I appreciate it. I would normally ask uh, about everybody leaving a five-star review, but that is Marcus's joke, so I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> Just listen to us on Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get this fine, fine American podcast, and we will see you later. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.